Off-season practices are underway for the Boilermakers as they look to get on track early for next season. They're healthy now, which we couldn't say a year ago at this time. That and more hoops, plus the latest in football recruiting on Gold and Black Radio. Kyle Charters here, Brian Newbert, and Tom Deanhart, but first this. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. All right, Brian, let's talk a little bit of basketball. The Boilermakers opened their first off-season practice last week. Uh, Has to be nice to be able to do that this year with mostly the entire team out there rather than the what handful of guys who were nursing injuries last year. I mean, it puts Purdue a little bit ahead of where it was probably at this point last year. Also the fact that they've got many of the same uh, personnel returning and it's helpful too uh, that Purdue will do that considering they'll go overseas here in a couple of months to play a, a preseason, uh, whatever foreign trip. Uh, just what were your thoughts you know, with Purdue getting started, Purdue being healthy at this point during the summer. Yeah, I think that was one of the uh, things that got lost in the hysteria of November for Purdue last year when they were so good so fast was that not only were they doing it with a couple of freshmen and a guy who turned into Superman uh, in one offseason, but they did it after not having, you know, a normal summer. Uh you look back a year ago when Braden Smith was out and Caleb first was out and you know Trey Kaufman Ryan was banged up here and there. Camden Heidi was 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 banged up here and ended up redshirting anyway. Brian Waddell was out and they just didn't have a they just didn't have anything remotely close to a full team and uh they didn't have the opportunity to really grow together in the summer because there were like six of them. Um now I I think that for as much as this, this team is the same, I think there are you know small margins out there for improvement uh, that add up to a pretty big margin for improvement. And one of them is simply the fact that they have this off season where they can, you know, practice together the whole year. Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer can go through a, a normal college basketball condition uh, after they obviously wore down a little bit toward the end of last year. Um, this will be great, a great opportunity to onboard, you know, Camden Heidi, Lance Jones. Uh, once Miles Colvin shows up after USA Basketball, he has to practice. That is going to be a big deal because they're, I think they're going to fast track him to the floor. Um, and uh, it's just a really big deal that you can build on the continuity that you have with your personnel, which is something that I think very few programs in college basketball have anymore, you know. Purdue is going to have a normal number of newcomers coming into this team, but the definition of normal uh, <laughs> is like the 2015 definition of normal, not the right. 2023 definition of normal, where a lot of these teams out there are breaking in uh, half their teams as newcomers. Uh, so I, I think this is a great opportunity for Purdue to, you know, keep, kind of getting just a little bit better here and there and where they get just a little bit better 
better in certain areas, I think that can add up to some, you know, uh, pretty significant improvement for a team that won 29 games last year. I mean, that's what we're, that's what we have to frame this against. We can't lose sight of how good they were last season before the NCAA tournament. And nothing that happens in the summer is going to do anything for, you know, NCAA tournament results uh, next year. So, all you can do is improve as much as you can and then just hope to have the same sort of level of success you have you had last season and then let the chips fall where they may in March. They won 29 games last year. I was fairly certain they just finished the year 0 and 1. I didn't realize they Yeah, that's that's <laughs> kind of the pit of misery. Uh I don't know if I don't know if 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 it affects them at all, but that's sort of the pit of misery they have to sit in um i mean it it's really and it's under i mean it's it's the way of the world nowadays but at the same time it's you won the big 10 you won the big 10 tournament you won 29 games uh there's no taking back the pk85 you know thing that was absolutely surreal one of the one of the signature moments in program history as far as i'm concerned that was well, I shouldn't say program history. And the the time I've spent covering Purdue, which is damn near twenty years now, um, just one of the most unexpected success stories I've seen. Uh, you know, Zach Eady's season was what it was. Uh, Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer's seasons were what they were. But all people care about are going to care about, and I, I don't mean all people. I mean the vocal and I don't I don't even want to say minority because I know that a lot of a lot of people, you know, are gonna fixate on that NCAA tournament. A lot of national media people are gonna be talking about that and you know, things like that. And it's yeah. It's too bad, but it it's kind of the nature of the beast and, you know, had not been a pattern, you know, developing before that happened, you know, it wouldn't be as it wouldn't be as as uh, cute, I guess, but that's just kind of what they have to sit in this year, and um, we will see uh, how mentally strong they are. Because as the season, you know, moves toward its end next year, it's going to get it's going to be like a couple of years ago, which was the most miserable season I've ever covered personally. Um, Purdue was one of the best teams in the country, and that whole season was just a panic attack. <laughs> you know, and by the end of the year, you, there was a distinct, I got a distinct, you know, sense that a lot of people were just kind of ready to be done. Yeah. And uh, uh, it was just miserable. And, you know, that's what they're going to have to be mentally strong enough to deal with when it comes, you know, the end of February and uh, starts creeping toward the NCAA tournament. But, you know, first things first, you have to have, you have to have a resume and uh, you have too good a team to not want to repeat as big 10 champions. And, you know, that's, that's uh, the first order business here. Yeah. And what areas do you feel like they can make gains right now from what they were able to be last season? Well, I haven't finished my column yet from last night that I wrote yesterday. Um, and I have to add a little bit too uh, that I'll put up here on our site here in a little bit. But 
one of the points I try to make is that the majority of produced threshold for improvement lies in two players. Now, it's Braden Smith and it's Fletcher Lawyer, obviously. I'm not saying that the dynamics you get from Camden Heidi and Miles Colvin on the wing and Lance Jones' athleticism, I'm not saying those things can't make you better, but I'm saying that, you know, as good as Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer were last year, you still have a pretty high threshold to get better, and that that lies mostly in their year one to year two improvement. Yeah. When you look at it on a, a – a, is it micro or macro? Um, micro. I don't think that's right. <laughs> when okay, you look at it, uh, when I don't you know. look at it, when you look at it at either a micro or a macro level, <laughs> some <laughs> of the little stuff. And when I say little stuff, I mean like subcategory type stuff. Yeah. Um, three point shooting that gets better as Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer get better. And when you look at defense, that's something that gets better as Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer get better and, you know, so on and so forth. Players do normally make significant jumps between year one and year two. That's, I think, history in college basketball has shown us. That's the time frame where guys typically, you know, go from one level to another. Um, and if those guys, as good as they were last year, if they just – make a jump which they should be expected to purdue automatically becomes a significantly better team a significantly better team than the one that won 29 games last year and you know won two big 10 titles i I have to keep reminding everybody of that because it's going to get lost in the it's going to get lost in in the in the story of this season and the story of last season the story of this offseason but so much of purdue's upside lies just in the organic improvement of those two sophomores mm-hmm. can zach Eady be better sure how much better i have no idea can camden heidi and miles colvin's athleticism if they're everything you know they're being talked up to be right now sure but uh they also are part of the braden smith story too in terms of his ability to get better uh, they're they're part of the the potential defensive improvement here but I just think if Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer make that jump from really good freshmen to really good college players, and I'm not saying they're not already there, but like all Big Ten type guys uh, yeah. to go along with Zach Eady, you know, produce a notably better team. As I keep saying, last year was not Purdue's year. This this year is Purdue's year. Because yeah. those guys have some experience. And as we talked about quite a bit after the season, uh, if you looked around the NCAA tournament and who had success and who didn't, teams with experienced guards, you know, were the quote-unquote cat's meow. I like that. Uh, I don't. That was terrible. <laughs> I don't know where I got that. We need to have pre-production meetings, I think, for this podcast. We can figure out the de- definition of words beforehand and whether we're going to use cat's meow. Seems if that like would make, if I'd have to get up earlier to do that, then hell no. <laughs> I think people like the authenticity of this and me not knowing what the hell I'm talking about and admitting it live is <laughs> probably part of that authenticity. Yeah. 
Uh, Lance Jones uh, makes his debut, at least in a practice uh, for Purdue. Uh, what's his role? Because it seems to me that he could fit into several different roles. I mean, he could play a backup point guard. He could be a starter on the wing. He could be a guy that you rely upon to try to get to the rim a little bit. He can shoot the ball some. Uh, what do you got? Where's Where's he fit in? Well, on the surface, assuming his head doesn't explode as soon as, you know, all of Purdue's concepts come at him. He's a proven college basketball player. He's a proven college basketball standout. He's a starter caliber player. Um, I, I wouldn't put it past him to win a starting job. Now, the, the obvious, everybody always wants to talk about who's not going to play. I uh, never understood why, you know, that's what everybody wants to talk about in the offseason. But um, I don't know who that would be. But I think at worst, he's a third starter even if he's not starting. Yeah. Um, I think he takes a lot of load off Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer, a lot of pressure off them, so a lot of responsibility, so to speak, because he's got enough point guard skills, I think, to be a better alternative to Braden Smith than Purdue ever had at any point last season. Um, and I, I think he can play off the ball some, and I think he can guard so many different positions based on what he did at Southern Illinois, I think that uh, that's a pretty big deal for them too if, if they get in any sort of uh, trouble defensively. Uh, I think if Fletcher Lawyer, you know, improves a little bit defensively, gets a little bigger and stronger, he's not quite the target switches that, you know, he was last season or he would project to be this year. Um, but if you are having a problem in that regard, you know, you could turn to Lance Jones and he would give you a pretty good chance to just shut that off. Yeah. Um, I think his quickness helps. I think you are going to see a little bit of a, everybody says this in the summer, but we want to play faster. We want to play faster. We want to run. We want to run, you know, stuff like that. I do think that even though that's completely counter to having Zach Keithy on your team, I do think Braden Smith and, you know, those two athletic wings are going to give Purdue a little bit of a chance to actually try to do that as a first option off a defensive rebound. And I think he can be part of it too, because he's got some speed and athleticism that, you know, Purdue hasn't had since Jaden Ivey. And uh, I think if, you know, Braden Smith's on the floor, his aggressiveness, trying to push the ball in transition is going to be much more, uh, paid much more dividends this year. Uh, and I think Lance Jones is a little bit of a part of that. And uh, I just think he gives Purdue a lot of what it didn't have last year. And again, Purdue won 29 games and two, and two Big Ten championships <laughs> last year. Um, but they did so without a flawless personnel mix. Um, yeah. And I'm not saying they have a flawless personnel mix now. They have to prove they can make more threes. They have to get better defensively. And, uh, but I, I do think Lance Jones gives them a lot of what they didn't have. Uh, I, he seems like a really mature sort of guy, too. And um, he does, I, I don't think he's going to be phased by this level of college basketball. And uh, I think that, uh, I think that in a couple of months, we could be looking back at this as an enormous pickup for Purdue. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's got a chance to be better than what some of those, I mean, and you pointed this out too, what some of those statistical numbers were uh, last year. I mean, in terms of shooting and things like that, just because 
Well, he took way too many threes last year. Yeah, and he won't be he won't be able to do that here. No, now he seems like a smart enough, astute enough guy to realize that his role at Purdue is not going to be to take five threes a game. Yeah, um, I'm not sure his role at SIU was to take five threes a game, but he did. <laughs> uh, I think I think that was a function of you know he ascended to a place as a player where he was this he was SIU's best guy. Uh, he and the kid who ended up at Illinois, uh, whatever his name was, um, and uh, they, he just felt the responsibility to have to do that. That happens to players sometimes, where you know they feel like when they're one of their team's best guys, they have to score. And uh, while he, you know he, he he was a guy who could score, um, he was better on lower volume as a three point shooter and. He he's really effective when he was he's getting to the basket. And I think, you know, if he had to do last season all over again, uh, I think he'd probably. And I, I have no idea what defenses were doing. I, I watched some of his games on video, um, but I'm not going to sit here and be like, "Well, Missouri Valley defenses started doing this, <laughs> um, so he did this." Yeah. Break it down. Um, but he uh, he he has the ability to get to the basket probably more than he did last year probably probably settled too much for threes um he could make them though and he he's made them at a higher clip early in his career on lower volume and at purdue if he just makes the open ones if he just commands attention in that regard um you could say that about everybody on the floor but uh it's not gonna be his job to shoot 45 percent from three and make three or four threes a game. It's going to be his job to make one or two a game maybe and just try to command some respect and be able to play off closeouts and, you know, uh, try to beat some people off a dribble and, you know, break down the defense every now and then and, you know, so on and so forth. But, uh, if you know, Purdue's just got to make the open ones next year. I mean, if they just do that, you know, you look at the FDU game and the singular – as much as went sideways on in that game, and that game should not be viewed as you know the model for or produce season. You know, a few games here, but that was that was something an entirely different level of awful. Uh, yeah, because Purdue was just left wide open, and they yeah. they couldn't make open ones. Next year with. Uh, you know, obviously Zach Eady is going to command again. If you just make the open ones at a at a at a respectable clip, you know, you're fine. But five five and twenty six, whatever it was, it can happen again. It just can again, and yeah. I, I think I think they'll uh, they have to prove that that can't happen again. Look, I try to be more of a journey rather than the result kind of guy. It's hard to do that sometimes. Uh, so I do remember that they won 29 games. But, man, it's going to stick with me for a bit. Uh, just the, the memory of seeing guys pass up wide open three-pointers. That's the part that that game just, whew, man, that was that was, Look, that was rough to watch down the stretch. It, it didn't make any sense. It, yeah. It, they just it, it was like they just lost all their confidence at the end of the year and that didn't make any sense yeah um and 
you know, here we are in June and that's what we're talking about. <laughs> I'm pretty sure every conversation we've had this off season has, has circled back to the NCAA tournament yeah. last year. And I, that's kind of, kind of the nature of, you know, kind of where Purdue is right now. It's this double-edged sword of, you know, we're one of the best teams in college basketball. We had this unbelievable season, but this thing now looms over the whole season. And they're again, they're going to have to be mentally strong enough to understand that that's where they are right now. And that's how they're perceived. And yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if they care. I don't, I don't know if they listen, but, uh, it's just kind of the, it's just kind of the reality of it. One way or the other, Miles Colvin is going to play a big role uh, for Purdue. What that role is remains to be seen. But it seems like a big deal to me that he is, uh, what, one of the finalists, would you put it that way? Down to 14 players trying out for this uh, U19 squad on Team USA. Um, it, it just feels to me like nothing but good can come, even from the fact that he has made it to this point. Oh, he made the team. Oh, he did? Yeah. Did I miss that? Yes. Oh. Well, son of a. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag. When did that happen? When did I did I miss that? When did that happen? Friday. Uh, Friday. Oh, all right. There's there's a big thing on the top of our website about what it means that Miles <laughs> Colvin made the made the USA basketball team. Uh, even though I, even though I like, uh, uh, even though I like embarrassing are, myself, I might edit that part out. We are so, no, no, don't, don't do that. Be accountable. Okay. We are so freaking professional. <laughs> I thought that he was just one of the, one of the, okay. So let's, let's go with the fact that I'm just going to believe that you're not giving me fake news. Uh, so we made the team. I mean, that's an even bigger deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's. You know, he's he's uh, I think it was really good for him just to be in that sort of competitive environment. You know, he is not really his background in basketball, his high school and grassroots stuff. He's very rarely uh, shared the floor with players who are as good as him, if not better than him. He's very rarely, um, you know, had to play with players of that level, play against players of that level. And um, I don't know how many situations he's really played in where the stakes are as high as they'll be with USA basketball. Obviously they'll be very high at Purdue, but I think him thriving in that sort of competitive environment is a really big deal for him. Um, you know, from us, from the perspective of setting a competitive tone for his college career and uh, you know, just the experience of it. Uh, I don't, a lot of the guys who've come through Purdue, who've been in these environments have seemed to really benefit from it. You could make, a sound uh, argument that, you know, he might've been better off being back at Purdue practicing because he needs, he needs practice. He needs to get onboarded with this Purdue team as fast as possible. He needs to learn their, their defensive system. He needs to learn, you know, defense period. And, um, but you don't ever turn your nose up at an opportunity like this. And, uh, what kind of role he's gonna he's gonna play for them over in Hungary? I don't know, but uh, just being in that environment is something that's really gonna be good for him. Yeah. I think. 
Uh, look at that. You did write a story on Friday about him. Uh, yeah, how about that? That's good. Um, I'll try to catch up on all the latest news. Is Zach Eady back, or did he make his decision there yet? <laughs> no, I think he. Uh, I think he he's in the draft, so we'll we'll have to see what happens on Thursday night. Yeah, there you go. All right, Brian. Thank you. Yep. Bye. All right, let's take a little break here. We'll talk to Tom about football recruiting in particular. We'll do that coming up next on Golden Black Radio. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, Tom, let's talk a little bit of football recruiting. More action for the Boilermakers here over the last week. Perhaps some more here coming up over the next week as well. Uh, one big get for Ryan Walters and company, maybe the, the biggest, at least in terms of non-transfer gets like high school commitments, right? Luke Williams uh, committed mm. to the Boilermakers uh, last, I believe last Monday, last week at least. Uh, big get for for the Boilermakers. Yeah, biggest get. It's a nine-man class so far, Kyle, 2024. And without a doubt, yeah, Luke Williams from Naperville North High School is the biggest get of those nine commitments so far for Ryan Walter. She's a, he's a safety. And Kyle, again, of the nine commitments, four defensive backs already. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised. That's been an early emphasis given that's Ryan Walter's sort of bailiwick, if you will. So obviously that background resonates with these recruits and Luke Williams in particular. And uh, just a great centerpiece or cornerstone or building block, if you will, for this, this class that's continuing to grow. And like you talked about there uh, moments ago, uh, I would suspect we're going to see a handful of other commitments here in the next day or two from this most recent raft of official visits. That's sort of the vibe I've, uh, I've been getting. Yeah, the possibility, it seems, uh, like you said, after those official visits, maybe Purdue gets to, what, by the end of the month here, get to 12? Yeah, 12, 13 maybe. You know, I think they feel pretty good about all the guys who came in for OVs. The biggest of them all was a four-star defensive lineman from the Dallas, Texas area, Caleb Mitchell Irving. I, I talked to him last night, and I, I don't know. I, I, I think Purdue's got a real good shot at him, Kyle. I'm, 
a defensive end from Columbus, Ohio, Elijah King. I think pretty sitting good with him. Wide receiver from Florida, uh, Shamar Rigby. So it's um, it's a group of players that I think that they, they felt pretty good about once they left campus. And uh, again, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if maybe they were able to get a handful of these guys to commit here soon. Just back to Williams real quick. I mean, look, you can you can scheme defense all you want, but you got to have guys, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, you got to have players. <laughs> let's yeah. just be, let's just be real. And it's been you know Purdue has had some good safeties here over the last several years. I you know I call qualify them as good, um, but they haven't had sort of that all Big Ten uh, type of guy. I mean, they need they need mm-hmm. better guys in the secondary in particular, but better guys everywhere. Uh, and uh, it seems like recruiting, at least in this cycle, you know, they've they've landed on some guys here. They've built a little bit of momentum, which you want to do in your first year and bring in guys that can fit fit roles with what you want to do with your system. I don't care what your system is. You got to yeah. have players. You just do. That's all there is to it. Yeah, it's, it's you know, you, 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 you have the nicest playbook in the world. If you don't have players, it doesn't matter. And Kyle, just I, I always think back to even playground days as a kid, I'm sure. You remember when you're you're playing just pick up football, you're picking teams, man. You wanted the guys. Everybody knew the good guys were right. Yeah. Just just get the good guys the ball. I mean, I mean, it's as simple as that. I mean, maybe maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but again, it's always about the 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 Jimmys and the Joes, not the X's and the O's, as they always said. And Ryan Walters looks like he's got a nice start on getting himself some Jimmys and Joes here. And and yeah, Luke Williams, like I said, could be a real centerpiece here. Or what looks like a, could be a strong um, 2024 recruiting class uh, to add to the 15 freshmen he brought in this year, Kyle. I was thinking about this today. He's got 15 freshmen coming in, one junior college transfer. That's 16 new players, right? And he got 16 transfers, too. So that's 32 players that are being injected in this upcoming season's roster. That's uh, just kind of give you a little context of the type of turnover that's taking place here. Yeah. Another uh, bit of news from last week, Jaden Dixon-Beal, uh, Oregon State commitment of wide receiver flipped to Purdue. What do you know about him? Yeah, you know, he, it was strange. He was here for an unofficial visit a week or two ago, and shortly after he left, he committed to Oregon State. And, you know, even though he committed to the Beavers, there was always a sense, I think, that that maybe the door was still open for Purdue, Kyle. And sure enough, less than a week later, I can't remember what night of the week it was last week, but he sends out a tweet that says he's decommitting from Oregon State. And moments after that, it seemed there was a, a, a tweet from him committing to Purdue. So let's look at this kid, Jaden Dixon. The is essentially being a replacement for Corey Gamwich. Of course, that Marshall wide receiver who walked out on Purdue here recently, landed at Central Florida. So uh, Purdue was still able to get another veteran receiver in here to go along with, with Jamal and Ryan, the Florida Atlantic transfer for receiving core. That's, 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 if, if you look at the depth chart, Kyle, the roster, there, there's, there's seven or eight pretty decent options there at wide out. And then this Jaden Dixon deal is certainly going to help. Yeah. Yeah. The question is uh, who's the number one guy, right? I mean, that's uh yeah. I'm not <laughs> sure if they need one. I'm not, I'm not sure if you need a true take the top off a of defense guy. You, you always want one. I'm not saying you don't want one, but, you know, this offense may mean more about timing, just getting guys in space, getting the ball out quick, and letting them make plays. So, yeah, um, I, I think they may be able to make it work without that true elite Charlie Jones type of a guy. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, 
I mean, I, I, like we all know, that there may not be that elite guy, but there certainly looks like there's there's more than a handful of very capable options, though, too. Yeah. All right, Tom, we'll look for more news at goldenblack.com as those guys, if they do commit this week. Thank you, sir. Take care, buddy. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. A thanks to our sponsors. As always, if you do like the podcast, please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right, that'll do it for our show for Brian Newbert and Tom Deanhart. I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Golden Black Radio.